This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek, show number 458, recorded on September 3rd, 2020. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way in your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, we post the show. And we'll have some show notes. Mike's got some good ones for tonight. So make sure you head out theaverageguy.tv slash HGG458. And uh, tonight we are talking ham radio stuff. We'll get to that here in just a second. So for all you YouTubers who come in and are waiting to... Where's the content? Well, you can skip ahead a little bit. We've got some community stuff to do up front, but appreciate you guys being here. Uh, first of all, big pandemic thanks. It's September, Mike, and and uh, big pandemic thanks to HelloFresh. I, I got to say this. It's the month of September. They have <laughs> like, they've gotten me through the pandemic. Like, I can't. <clears throat> I can't I'm going to choke on my own. <clears throat> He's so excited. He gets, sure he gets, he gets all choked there. up when he thinks that about HelloFresh. HelloFresh should be like, oh, this yeah. guy's a loser for doing that. <laughs> Not sure what happened there, but uh, of course, um, early in the pandemic, we, you know, we've been on HelloFresh for the last couple of years and uh, Sammy and I uh, kind of took over the cooking starting like March. And I don't like, I don't like regular cooking anymore. Like I don't want to go to the grocery store, buy the ingredients, put it together. I just want the, I want it to show up in a box, take it out of a bag, cut up a few things and make some dinner. And uh, we've been, we've been able to do that uh, pretty easily. Keeps you healthy too. I mean, it's so easy. Everyone's talking about the quarantine thirty, the quarantine fifty, whatever you want to call it. And uh, eating those meals, though, you know, keeps you keeps you eating good, right? Tastes amazing and relatively healthy. Yeah, no, it's been it's been super good. So if you haven't tried it yet and you want to give it a try, maybe now is the time. You can head out to theaverageguy.tv slash HelloFresh and get forty dollars off your first order. So we appreciate you guys uh, doing that. Big thanks to Dave McCabe who was here last week, talked lawn care and Mike. You know, my lawn was looking good during the show. I don't know what happened over the weekend. It just dried out. I think I got lazy on the water or something. And so I'm doing some emergency watering this week, trying to bring things back. Did you did you take anything from the show last week and implement it? Uh, well, I'm just waiting for that time frame. You know, we're waiting for kind of that that cool down to kind of happen. And I noticed that we when we were looking at the calendar, we saw some, you know, cooler temperatures. But uh, this weekend, again, we're back up in the 90s. So I don't know. We'll have to see when when we're actually going to get that cool down uh, here in Omaha. But I did notice my neighbor was out there with his uh, thatching rake, and he had a yeah. spot in his front yard that was completely dead. And I was shocked. I was seeing him rake it and just how much stuff was coming up that dead grass, Yeah, uh, which, which is probably really going to help him out in the spring. Yeah, and I wouldn't see just yet, but uh, getting some of that up and getting it yeah. ready uh, is pretty good. Big thanks to Dave. Lots of material, an hour and a half of, of the show last week, but kind of gets you ready for the fall and for the winter. So big thanks to Dave uh, for being on the show last week. He always kind of crushes it. We've been talking about meetups, and we've kind of we're, we're starting that trajectory of doing some virtual meetups. So nothing in person just yet, but we have some dates. So Mike, for our Patreon subscribers, so for those of you who've been supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we're going to kind of throw a Patreon thank you party. So the week, or I'm sorry, the uh, September 24th, that's a Thursday night, hour before the show. So 6.30 to 7.30. And I'll, Patreon subscribers, I'll send you this info. But um, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Central, we're going to kind of do an open meetup. You and me and those folks, an hour 
kind of goof around. We're going to talk about the barbecue meetup. I'll talk about that here in just a, a second that's coming up. But we just want to spend some time with our Patreon subscribers. So for those of you on Patreon, look uh, for your in, look in your inbox for something from me, and uh, and we'll do kind of a Patreon subscriber meetup. I, I kind of want to talk with them. They're the most engaged listeners that we have since they help support the show. And when you get some ideas just on around meetups, what we can do virtually, and eventually in-person things will come back. So we'll be planning something along those lines. But that, again, that's September 24th. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll get an email from me, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. right before the show. We'll drop and then head into the show uh, that night on September 24th. Barbecue Meetup is going to also be uh, in October. And so we talked about this before. Um, that date right now we're shooting tentatively for October 24th. That's a Saturday. That's going to start. We're going to do actually three different times we're going to connect. So we're going to connect like seven in the morning on a Saturday. I know that's early, but for us grilling, barbecue, smoking folks, mostly smokers, we need to get the brisket on the grill, whatever, right? We need to get that stuff. So time to get up, get it prepared. We're going to spend some time. It'll be not just for barbecue folks, not just for smoking folks, just as for everybody to show up, but we're going to be focusing on some of those kinds of things. Then we'll take a break. For the folks that want to, if you can get your if you can get your grill or your smoker on a cam, we're going to stream those all day, so that we'll have a I'll have a grill cam. I'll set some things up. We'll do it here in Streamyard. We'll have it going out, so you can kind of watch people's grills. We'll get back together uh, around noon or one uh, uh, U.S. Uh, kind of U.S. time, and uh, just check on things. How are things going? What are things doing? What's stuff looking like? Another kind of conversation. Another hour meetup, and then uh, in the evening, seven to eight. As things are either coming off the grill or we've brought them off the grill or whatever, uh, we'll get together again. That way we can catch Europe and Asia with these uh, cross time zones. You don't have to be at all of them, but if you can be at one of them, that'd be super great. That is, again, that's going to be October 24th. That's what we're shooting for right now. Completely free, completely virtual. Love to have you join us. More details coming out here um, as we progress forward. We're as you were talking, my mouth was watering. Like I started no. to like, oh, this is going to be tough. I'm going to yeah. be, well, and it's going to be one of those things too with, we'll probably pick a shorter smoke item, right? Because like your briskets, your pork shoulders, those are, you know, 13, 16 hour cooks. So probably Can doing, be. I want to see some recipes that, uh, some people are from shorter cooks or you're right, you know, higher temp, faster cook. Could start earlier if you too, you don't have to, like you can join us, you know, you can start it early and join That's us. true. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, we'll get. You know, we'll get some Mark. I'm going to kind of depend on Mark to, to help us with some of these things if he's available that day. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be just kind of fun. You can move in and out. You don't have to be at all of them. They'll just be general times to jump in. But we'll kind of focus in that area and just kind of have some fun, show what you're doing. Um, that'll be October 24th um, at this point. So I'm pretty excited. Again, no costs for those uh, to get started. No swag either, but it's all 100% virtual. And so we'll, there'll be more some, de some more details about those coming out on the website as well. Pretty excited about that. Um, in conversation with Bitdefender, by the way, this is something that's came out, come out of our Twitter, uh, kind of the, the, the Twitter feed. And as we've been talking, I think on Twitter, we've been talking about some VPNs. And, uh, and of course, I'm a, bitter, uh, a Bitdefender box user. And uh, so I reached out to them. They reached out to me. We're talking a little bit. Um, if you're listening live or you listen to the recorded, do me a favor. Tweet them right now, at BitDefender. Just let them know you're a listener. Say, hey, I'm a Home Gadget Geeks listener. We'd love to see you on the show. Don't do it exactly like that. Everybody do something a little bit different so it doesn't look dorky. But uh, do that right now if you can. Let BitDefender know. Copy me in it. Just say, hey, we'd love to have you. Uh, have, love to have you come on Home Gadget Geeks. We'll talk a little bit about their 
their network set up with the Bitdefender box. And then I'd also like to talk about their VPN coverage that they have. And so uh, if you would, especially if you're listening live, that would be great. Drop a tweet at Bitdefender is who we're trying to do. And uh, make sure you copy me at Jake Collison in there as well. Mike, we are, well, we're not, we're not, that didn't take too long, but we're, yeah. we're here to talk a little bit of, so YouTubers get off my back. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're only 12 minutes in. I know it took 12 minutes to get to ham. We want to talk some ham radio stuff and uh, I'm pretty excited about this. You have, uh, you've made a resurgence in the ham community. Why don't you tell the story? What got you from, you know, you bought two, you kind of got a general license and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm going all in. Tell me the story. How'd you get there? Yes. Well, okay. So you guys have kind of been with me on this journey and I apologize as I'm looking back and forth. If you're watching the video, this is my camera. Here's where you guys are. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and focus on you guys. Um, but you know, about a year ago, actually almost exactly a year ago, I went and got my technician license and, and that's the first license you can get here in the United States. And, uh, I told you guys kind of the story on a, on a first episode so we can reference back. Jim, we'll have to look back and put in the show notes that first time we talked about ham radio. Cause I'm going to kind of skip over the technician portion of this. But, uh, so that was a year ago. I spent the, you know, the last year talking on local repeaters because with that technician license, you have a few privileges when it comes to HF, but very, very limited. When I say HF, that means high frequency, which HF is your long distance. Think of long distance point to point. So my radio to someone else's radio a long ways away with nothing needed in between. Um, but I spent the last year with the technician license talking on local repeaters, which is think of like uh, almost like a cell tower, but for ham radio, it takes in a signal and repeats it out. So you get your signal a little bit further and, uh, and, and really, you know, tried to utilize my technician license to the max and spent a lot of time meeting a lot of local hams here. I went and uh, joined the local ham club and, and really kind of jumped in. But, you know, as as Jim warned and as everyone predicted, there was some time there probably, uh, you know, as we started to get, especially towards the pandemic, um, where I kind of, you know, just didn't spend much time with it. I was in and out of different hobbies and and I've always had a radio in my car. And that's honestly when I spent the most time on the radio was drives to and from work. I'd hop on the local repeater and it's kind of like having your own little coffee club because uh, as you're driving, you, you find the guys who are driving to work during the same time as you and you kind of all get on the repeater and you're just chatting away about your day and then you do the same thing on the way home with maybe a different set of guys depending on what time you drive uh well the pandemic eliminated my commute and so that eliminated for me about 90 percent of my ham radio time because that's when i was talking on on the radio the most so uh really you know a lot of people talk about the pandemic a lot of people being at home having more time to be in the shack as we call it in ham radio talking on it well that's not when I talked on the ham radio the most. You know, I have kids, I'm a uh, young kids and I have other hobbies around here. So I didn't spend much time at home on the ham radio, but what got me kind of get back into it was we kind of hinted at this a, a few weeks ago was I went to Montana and we were in the mountains of Montana and there was no cell service. And so I had actually taken my two, uh, HTs, a HT is a handy talkie, uh, they're little handheld units, um, for ham radio. And I took those up there and it was really cool because my family was actually really interested in it because there was a local repeater on the mountain and had something gone wrong, you know, had we needed medical help, anything like that, someone fell, sprained their ankle, we needed something, uh, the ham radio would have literally been the only way besides one of us going back down the mountain. And we did hiking a lot while we were out there uh, every day. And we had my two boys with us. So, you know, a lot of things could have gone wrong. 
And uh, so my family was actually, man, this is really cool. We did a few radio tests at the top of the mountain, and sure enough, someone came back on the repeater. And uh, so there was someone there, someone listening, which was pretty cool. And that really kind of, you know, that was the first time where ham radio made practical sense for me. When I'm around here in in the city, and I'm doing my drive to work, and I'm sitting here, uh, I have a computer with the internet. The internet's a pretty crazy cool thing. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just like we're podcasting now, um, so I wouldn't call it necessary most of the time, right? You're, you do ham radio for a few different reasons. Number one, you do it for fun. It's just really cool. Like I think there's a little part in all of us that just, you know, communicating, uh, the challenge of communicating, uh, we're all kind of spoiled with the internet. So we kind of take it for granted, but getting back to really solving problems and, and trying to communicate in the most efficient way possible. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, number two, you, a lot of people do it for, um, a little bit of prepping, right? If communications were to go down, uh, could you communicate? Um, and especially when we have field days and events in ham radio where you go outside your shack, outside your QTH, as they call it, your home, uh, can you go out and operate in a field? Can you go operate at a park? Um, can you do that? Do you have what is necessary to do it? And so, so that's another reason people do it. And so for me, it was like it kind of reinvigorated that, okay, look at that. That was a practical way of using ham radio. It was the first time that I really in a long time that I had zero cell service and could have needed it in that time. So that's really what got me back into it. And so when I came back home, I, I started studying for my general license. Um, and, and the general license here uh, in the United States really opens you up to a lot of HF, high frequency bands. And you're then able to use a uh, single sideband is what we call it, but phone talking via via voice on the HF bands. And I knew that that was really something I wanted to get into. And so came back, uh, studied for it for a little bit. And actually, this is the interesting part about this is how do you test? How do you take a test during the pandemic? Um, how do you, you know, where do you go? And usually the way that these tests run is they're run by local ham clubs. Uh, they called, uh, volunteer examiners, they're VEs. So the way it's structured is you have to, you know, sign up for a test, usually pre pandemic, the way I took my technician. Um, there's a list on the ARRL website of all the locations. You pick one, you go, there's three VEs, volunteer examiners. Um, they're in there. They watch you take the test, multiple choice. It's paper. You fill it out. Uh, and then they mail that in. So it's actually a very long process before, but between the time of you take your test and when you find out, uh, what your call sign is, or you get the actual privileges that you, that you get from passing the test, you do find out if you pass right away, they have their little, you know, bubble sheet and they tell you if you pass, but it takes a little bit. Well, so since the pandemic started, they actually totally redid the way testing works. And this was kind of done uh, by local ham clubs. Local ham clubs said, hey, just because we have a pandemic, and we can't get together. We still want people to be able to take the test. So I'm not real. I don't have all the details on who started this, but hamstudy.org, fantastic website if you're going to be studying for any of the tests in ham radio. But it's also a great resource for finding an online session. So they, and they've gone through already two versions of their software that they use for testing in this time because they learned a lot. And a lot of uh, ham, uh, you know, aficionados got together and said, hey, let's make this work. And so ham study up and Jim's got it pulled up on the screen here. Uh, It's a website where you can go and take practice tests. Um, because the way that these tests work, all the the pool of questions is public. So they post the pool of all the questions. So you could actually, if you want to, just go and you could memorize all 500 questions and then go take your test. Um, 
ideally you want to learn the concepts. I, I would highly recommend. Yeah, but it's a lot concepts. of work to study and memorize 500 questions. It so is. if you're going to yeah. do that much work, you're going to know what you're doing, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times the way that a lot of these programs work is you take a question, you, you get the answer and then you get an explanation for why that is the answer. Or in the, I did the hard copy version. I actually have the book under here. I got the actual book to study from, and it has the codes for, hey, this is the question. This is where you reference back in the book to read up on that section, uh, which is really nice. So that's what I did. I did a mix of memorizing and then going back on some of the ones where I'm like, okay, I have zero clue here what they're even talking about. Go back, read that section of the book to really to find out what you're doing. Um, so... Uh, long story short, you can find an online session and you can now take all these tests online and it's a really unique process. So uh, they actually have it down to a science. So the people, the club I took it through was a radio club in Los Angeles and you could tell they had gotten this down to a science. What, what happened was you sign up, you join a Zoom call and you get put, I had no idea Zoom even had these options. So they start putting you into breakout rooms. So as soon as you come in, there's the first person, they check your license, they see you and they said, okay, I'm going to send you over to this guy. And you, you, they start splitting you out because there are hundreds of people coming to take this test. But each person, um, the way that they have to do it is they're doing three volunteers to one person. So they have a lot of volunteers. But the great part about it is the volunteers don't have to be local to L.A. These can be volunteers from all over the world that help out with this. So they have a lot of volunteer examiners. So you get passed around from waiting room to waiting room. And then in the end, you end up in front of three volunteer examiners. They have you show all the way around you with your camera. And to show, you know, you don't have any cheating materials, you don't have anything. Ideally, you have two cameras, so I would have the one on my computer facing me. They had me put another one actually down at the end of my desk facing this way wow. to make sure you can't cheat. And then the test is just taken online through their software. So you go to a website, you they put, give you a code to punch in, and you just take the test on the computer. And it, and it was super quick and easy. And, you know, within one second after you hit submit, you find out if you passed and they're all there. It's kind of funny because they're all waiting in suspense. Like, oh, congratulations, you know. And, <laughs> that's pretty and serious, job. though. That's like, oh, yeah, that's effort. You know, you think, Ham, hey, I mean, it's not, that's not like you're getting a license to run a nuclear power plant or something, right? I mean, right. you know, but good on them. Do you think that system will stay uh, even after we, after the pandemic's over? I hope so. It, it was, it was, it was slick. pretty slick. Now okay. I will say it did take a lot longer than it would have had. I just gone to my local club when I went to my club, cause in your club, they have you in a classroom and they're watching everyone take the test at the same right. time. Right. I was, in, I was in and out in like seven to 10 minutes when I went and took my technician. This took two hours because there, you have to be in the waiting room and then you're in these breakout rooms. They're just waiting for rooms to open up for you to jump into. Um, and so you're, and you're waiting there the whole time. So for the first hour and a, it took me 10 minutes to take the test, an hour and a half of just kind of in these waiting rooms. So that was the only downside. They, they might be able to figure that out um, a little bit better because I am going to start studying for my extra, which will be the final uh, portion. That's your, your kind of your top tier in amateur radio in the U.S. is uh, your amateur extra. And so, so we'll see. But I really enjoyed it. And the fact that it was instant and they also, through their testing software, are able to submit that electronically to the FCC. And so I was in the FCC database the next day with my new privileges, with my new general. So nice. it, it was really cool. That part, like the technology of all this has been very interesting in how they have been dealing with with the pandemic. And I think they have just done a, a really good job. Obviously, I'm not in school anymore, so I don't know how all the schools are handling this. But it was kind of a little insight into, okay, how do we do testing? How do we do, you know, this sort of stuff yeah. in an online manner? And it worked really well. 
So, so Mike, how does this change the way you operate then uh, as far as far as, you know, yeah, so, so uh, let's go ahead and pull up my screen here. What I'm sharing with you guys right now is it's called the U.S. Amateur Radio Band, and this is the band plan. And what the band plan does is it lays out the different frequencies and which level of amateur radio operator, what uh, privileges they have on each band. So you'll see an E, an A, and a G. Like, let's look up at 40 meters here. You see an E up top, then an A, then a G. So amateur extra, they have a lot of privileges. Um and then you have your general, and general has a little bit, and you'll see then technician down here has very little, they don't have any green, which means they have no phone privileges, all they have is a little bit of CW, CW is Morse code. So a technician, what I was before I was a general, they could do um, a little bit of CW if you knew Morse code, but the funny part about that is most technicians don't know any Morse code. Uh, that's something they're going to learn later. The, they used to, and I don't know what year they removed the requirement, but it used to be a requirement to get your, even your technician license. You had to be able to do Morse code at at least five words per minute. Um, so everyone had to do it. They got rid of that requirement. And a lot of amateur radio officers are kind of split on that. They thought it was a good idea. Um, but the other side said, you know, they're kind of traditionalists. No, you need to know CW to get in ham radio. But what they found is that it actually, encouraged a lot of people to go learn Morse code because there was no more pressure. It wasn't yeah. the pressure for the test. It was more for fun. Probably what um, they're trying to do, right? Increase some. Um, it was probably eliminating too many people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So technicians have the only band they have phone privileges on, uh, which when I say phone, that means talking via voice, is 10 meters. And 10 meter band uh, right now especially does not have very good propagation, meaning you don't go very far. Uh, it's it's not a great band to talk long distances, but it does at least give them a little bit of privileges to uh, to have some single sideband conversation. Uh, so yeah, what 10 meters isn't very far. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 10 meters 28 uh, megahertz too I should I should kind of equate this to you I know we talk in bands and we say the 40 meter band that is actually in a range of frequencies right around 7 megahertz so when I say you know HF being high frequency think about that in terms of you know the lowest really that you're going to talk on a lot I mean people do talk on 160 meters but usually 80 is where people the lowest they go and that's 3.5 megahertz um, all the way up to you know you're looking at your your 6 meter band which is which is about 50 megahertz. Um, that's what you're talking about when you're talking HF. But so for me, when I upgrade to general, you'll see I really got access to a lot 40 meter band. Uh, I can do I can do RIDI and data on 30 meters. I can do 20 meters. I can do phone and I can also do RIDI and data. Um, and you really get privileges on, on every single band when you're a general, a little bit. And then obviously you get even more when you do amateur extra. But at least what you've done is you've opened up yourself to be able to operate on all the different bands. But this is, I like this band chart. This kind of helps kind of understand the different privileges you have. And I actually have this chart uh, right here. It's printed out right in front of me when I'm sitting at my station. Because, you know, as a new general operator, you do have to make sure you stick within your privileges. When I'm up on 40 meters, if you look up here, um, so the amateur extra, they can start talking on the phone, on phone, on single sign band at 7.125. So if I'm scrolling around my dial and I hear some conversation at 7.130, I might just, you know, be like, oh, hey, I'm going to join in on the conversation. Well, my privileges don't start till 7.175 as a general. So you do got to keep in mind, you know, and so you, that'll be getting ingrained in your head, but that's why I have it printed out right in front of me to make sure, okay, you know, where's my privileges start and end 
on on each band. So this is nice though that the, the ARRL and the FCC have worked together to kind of develop this plan and have it organized. It's not just a mess. A lot of times uh, when you think of CB and you think of kind of the wild the wild west, you think of FRS, GMRS, things like that, and uh, it, they're still organized. But this is a much more organized plan than you would get. No, yeah, it's it, it's pretty intense, Mike. I. I was a CB guy and I've been on CB in a long time. I, I did it when I was younger and, uh, in it, it was, we had fun with it, but I can see it's, it is crazy out there. Like there's no rules. Right. right exactly. No rules on CB. You don't have to be licensed. You don't have yeah. to say your call sign. Um, now, you know, there's, there's no saying that I could just go steal someone else's call sign and start using it, but people would figure it out because, um, the other thing is there's QRZ, QRZ.com where you can type in any call sign and you actually, everyone, it pulls everyone from the FCC database into their system. So you're there whether you like it or not. And your address, whether you like it or not, whatever you register with the FCC is out there as well. Now that makes it fun because you can send QSL cards and you can have, uh, you know, fun little exchange cards via post mail, uh, the old fashioned way and, and do that. But uh, people would figure it out, right? If you start using someone else's calls and it's not yours, but again, yeah, it's a lot more regulated than I think a lot of people, uh, initially think, but that's initially, so that's why I got into general. That's why I went and took my test and, and passed it. And ever since then, it's just been a, a whirlwind of open doors. And we, Mike doesn't do well with just a lot of room to play. I just want to open every door as fast as I can. I that's and why I we really, get along. That's why we get along so well. Cause yeah. we're both like, once we get into something like I didn't, I just didn't run 10 Ks. I ran half marathons, then marathons, right. then I ran five marathons. Right. Yes. You know, I didn't, I, I, I don't, I didn't start podcast. I just didn't do a podcast. I started podcasting. I did seven podcasts. I started podcasting at work. I've been podcasting for almost 10 years now or a little, a little over. And so this is why you and I get along so well. And I give you a hard time about this, but it's super fun. Um, one of the things I really like when you do this is you go all the way in and you know it all. I mean, you really have studied this. And so it's super cool. So you mentioned, okay, so kind of upgrading got you the ability to go farther, right? Yeah, you can now right. broadcast farther. But what other benefits come with upgrading that besides or in addition to what you were doing before? So what I would say is, so when I, the ability to talk further, the ability to talk on these different bands comes with other fun things you need to do to be able to do those things. Um, when we think about the technician license and we think about operating UHF VHF, which is, you know, the repeater system, UHF VHF, uh, typically the antennas are relatively short um, because your, your antennas have to do with your wavelength. So the longer your wavelength is, the longer your antenna is going to be. So obviously VHF UHF is a, is a shorter wavelength than when you start to get down to, say, 80 meters, well, 80 meters means a full wavelength is 80 meters. So that's huge. Um, so what this means is, though, is you need to start building antennas. You need to start finding places to put those antennas. You need to start figuring out what type of antenna do you want. You need to figure out, okay, well, if, do I want to talk on 40 meters, 80 meters, and 20 meters? Well, do I want a different antenna for each of those? Or do I want kind of a compromised antenna that will do all three 
with the use of a tuner? I mean, so these are all the type of questions that you really start to dive into. And I don't think there's a single ham alive that has gone through every single thing and built every single type of antenna that you can do in ham radio. That's really the fun part. You'll start to see, you know, this desk right here has really just like grown in the past three weeks with all different tools because, you know, to build antennas, to do cable connections for my batteries. And we'll talk about uh, some new connections I found for even a non-ham um, later to do all that kind of stuff is, you know, it, to first of all, to learn it. Second of all, really to do it well and master it. And then a lot of ham radio is really uh, meant around testing and learning. They really want you to be out there and, and test things out, right? Do experiments, test out uh, different random lengths of wire, test out on an off-center fed dipole, you know, where is the perfect place to put the center of that off-center fed dipole? Um, you know, what lengths of wire on the end work best? And so, Jim, this really reminded me of when you and I got into crypto mining, and there was just so much you could do, and you could tweak to your heart's content, and you could just keep getting, you know, you could make it better and better and better, and there was always new coins to do. Um, that is the same, I feel, the same stimulus in my brain that I had from that is what I get from ham radio. There is constantly just, there's, there's always something to explore and you can always get better in the time in the last three weeks, I put up the first antenna in my attic, didn't like it, put a second antenna in my attic, didn't like that, took it back out. So went back to the first antenna, but did it outside. And then just this last week, I added a 10 foot mass to that to get up even higher because I wasn't happy with the performance. <laughs> so every weekend since I've had my general, I have changed up my entire antenna yeah. setup. No, right uh, on. Completely. And it's how, just how been how a How do you feel about antennas coming off the. Uh, the... Um, you know, she's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hannah. Yeah, I, I felt yeah. bad for her because the first time in the attic, um, it was great because you couldn't see it. So number one check, right? I thought I was perfect. Well, then I went to go transmit and every time I transmitted her Zoom call cut out because I ran the coax right next to the Ethernet wires and that 100 watts cranking through that coax to the antenna just messed with out. that. Yeah, yeah so, so, so that didn't work, right? So yeah. that didn't win the wife approval. Well, then I moved it outside and added a, added one mass to one end of the home. And she was like, oh, that's not the best look, but okay. And then last weekend when she was in Lincoln, I put up a longer 10-foot mast in the center, PVC, and painted it brown. It's pretty ugly. And I didn't... I couldn't get a thick enough PVC, so it kind of has a bend to it. <laughs> and uh, actually, you know, I might be able to... I'll, I'll look for a photo while, uh, while I'm talking here about it. But... Um, so, can you, you know, can those antennas go anywhere? I mean, but you, you need to be able to run cable to them, right? You, you, right. It's not like you can go somewhere, set up an antenna different, and then access an antenna from from a remote location, right? You've got to you got to kind of want to have it close. Is that you need right? to have it close? You need to be able to be able to run a cable into your shack, okay? Uh, and and do that. So here is let's pull it up here. While, while you're doing that, um, Brian has a little advice. He said you need to go to her uh, her farm, Mike, so you can. Build it on the silo. Jim, I've almost wanted to move because of ham radio because I need to put up like a hundred foot steel tower on my property, yeah. but I can't do that in the city. Oh, no. um, okay, so not, not your neighborhood. Here. No, not in your neighborhood. While you're while you're looking that up, is a kid, uh, not not across the street, but across the street and down a little bit. We um, we uh, we had a neighbor that 
um, had a big antenna. Oh my gosh, Mike. All right. We're showing this yeah, for our audio listeners. You, you just kind of describe what, what we're looking at here. Yeah. So, um, this is the back corner of my house, luckily. Um, but I used to, there used to be a satellite dish on the corner of my house and we obviously don't use satellite. We haven't until we moved in. And so I took off the satellite dish, kept the mount there and imagine a 10 foot PVC pipe sticking out of that satellite dish holder. So that is running up at the, at the very top of that pole is the centerpiece of an off-center fed dipole. So um, there is a wire coming, if you're looking at the picture, coming back towards us. So I'm standing under a tree that this wire comes off and connects to the top of a tree that I'm standing under. The other side, because there's two sides of wires on the dipoles, the other wire goes all the way down to the front of my garage. And I have a little three foot, um, like, a, like a TV antenna mast up on the corner of the front of my garage. And that's where that other wire connects to. Um, but the reason I put it here is because I can run it down. There was, this is where all of my electrical mm -hmm. and Cox cable and everything punches through. So mm -hmm. I was able to just run the coax down and not make any new holes in my house. Well, I did have to make a new hole, but not in any new locations where there's not already cables running into the house. So that runs right down in the basement along the basement and right down here to the shack, to this radio sitting right here. But this is what I'm talking about. You know, so this antenna, the other antenna for my VHF, UHF, for me to talk to all the local repeaters, that antenna is probably um, from like, you know, three to four feet and it hangs in my attic on a, on a nail. It just hangs up there in the middle of the attic. It doesn't need to be outside. It just roll. It just hangs down. Just a random, you know, antenna that's really short. But when you get into HF, you're really committing uh, because, you know, your antennas, it, you can do shorter antennas, but you're going to have terrible performance on them. You really need to get uh, a nice uh, long antenna. Jim Shoemaker has a comment. He says, run a, uh, connect a transmit wire to a drone, run pa power up the wire to keep the drone in the air whenever you need to transmit, launch only when you want ham. Otherwise, just really, this was kind of my idea about uh, home security. Like when the, you know, you'd have like when the cameras go off, you'd have a drone in your backyard that would launch and go up into the air. That way you'd get a, you'd get a, a down approach uh, yeah. or a down camera. I'm, like, I'm not sure that would work, but. They do have other sorts of like portable antennas. Um, you know, there's one that we'll talk about later that I have in my in my go bag for when I do parks on the air activations. So there's all sorts of stuff, but you know, I'm on my radio enough that I don't want to have to be going out and setting up an antenna every yeah. time. But some guys do. Uh, there are some guys who you know they live in an HOA. So I do live in an HOA, but I went and read the bylaws, and there's nothing about antennas or anything like that on your on your home. So this is perfectly acceptable. Um, surprisingly from that picture, it looks really bad, but from the, like my curb appeal wasn't effect. You can't see this mast from the street. The only person who can see this really are, are my neighbors in the circle, um, which I'm really jealous of them. They have these beautiful, like hundred foot trees in their backyard. I'm like, man, well, if I had a hundred foot tree, I wouldn't need this, uh, ugly brown PVC Lots pipe. A rough there, Mike, by the I, way. Well, and you see the paint stripe now I have, cause I painted that PVC pipe in the lawn. <laughs> So now I have a, a permanently painted brown. Uh, you're in. You're committed. Blue. I like that. You're yeah. all in. You're committed. I, I, I do. I do like. I do like that. I like the commitment of like. Yeah, the lawn's okay. Um, the the antenna is the important thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So besides antennas to do this, and I think we're going to hear some antenna stories over the next. Oh yeah, four I'm sure or five you will. Months. I think there's enough here to keep you active and busy for at least six months before you. Yeah, decide well, to stop doing it but maybe <laughs> just calling it 
Chris, I think, the, I think the rest of my life, man, this has been I, so much fun. Uh, but I've said that before. I mean, we were into we were into crypto for I don't know how many years. So uh, it'll yeah. probably be a few years. We'll see. Yeah, Jim. Jim's being serious, and I and I, I don't I don't disagree with you, Jim. I, that could be that could be a great idea as you as you need antennas for that. Mike, what what else though? Okay, so we're going to be seeing new antennas from you for mm-hmm. the next six months. What other kind of equipment does it take? to to be a part of this did you have to upgrade <laughs> hardware then yeah and we have to be very careful my wife's upstairs and she can okay. hear so we're not going to talk prices right now but okay. <laughs> you do need a new radio um so that's why i you know, the new angle temporary angle for tonight this is my quote-unquote shack so this is where all my radios exist so i have two radios sitting here and it's actually kind of hard to see this one but uh over here is my radio that I've always had as a technician. So this is my UHF VHF radio. I use this tiny little thing to talk to all the repeaters and, and I've had that for a while. So that's nothing new. But for those of you who are interested, uh, this is a really cheap radio that I think just works great as a little workhorse. The fan's a little loud, but, uh, it's a QIT 8900 D this is only like 65 bucks on Amazon, super cheap. And the antenna that I have is like a 30, $30, um, little antenna for my attic and I have perfect reception, get perfect reports on my audio. So technician, you don't need to spend a lot of money. Uh, you do need a power supply. So the interesting part about radios is they don't just plug into the wall. Um, they need DC power. So you have your, your power supply here. And then this is the new, my new baby. Um, and I treat her very well because uh, she's my new baby. But this is the ICOM 7300. This is the HF rig I went with. And I, I will tell you guys, HF equipment um, does come with a pretty hefty price tag. And, you know, there's a lot of secondhand uh, markets out there. And you can on QRZ or anything like that, you can get stuff secondhand. But it holds its value for so long. So, um, you know, you can find good deals sometimes. Some guys will be maybe doing $100 off, things like that. But in general, you're going to have to um, shell out probably at a minimum, I would say, uh, five to $600 for a rig. And you can spend up to it, you know, like any hobby, you can go crazy with this and you can get massive radios and, and amplifiers and things like that. But, uh, um, you're, you're, you're going to be around the one K mark for a radio like this. We'll say that. So, uh, you're going to get in to the real, but this radio, um, it's got great reviews. I did a ton of research pretty much the entire time I was a tech. I was excited to get into HF. So I really did my research here to try and, and, and find the best radio. And this radio is what they call an SDR, a software defined radio. So the difference between this and what they refer to in the ham community as a boat anchor, um, the boat anchors are the really old radios your grandparents might have that your grand, if your grandpa was a ham, uh, they're really heavy and they have actual like crystal tubes inside of them. These one, this one does not. So this is all software defined radio, which has a lot of benefits. Um, you can easily have what they call uh, a spectrum scope. And so in the picture Jim's showing there, you can see a blue little scope right across the center of that uh, radio. And I wish I had a second camera because I could have shown you guys. I'm actually going to, sh- I'll, I'll throw up a high res photo here. Let yeah, me, that sounds great. You bring You keep talking. And I'll but uh, a spectrum scope, what that does, and, it, and this is the, one of the great parts about an SDR is it shows you the, in, um, as, as wide of the band as you want. So let's say I'm on 20 meters and it'll show you with a visual representation if there's activity on the band. So uh, there we go. So right in the center there, you see that blue with some white stripes coming down. They call it the waterfall. So that is showing you um, about, let's, let's, let's pretend that that's 80 megahertz worth of 
worth of space right there. So you can see, hey, so if I scroll around, if you go to one of those white little lines on the screen, there's there's activity there. There's someone talking. And this is compared to like an old style radio where you would just crank and you would be tuning and you're losing your ears. You're listening for people. Um, you still do that with the 7300, but this helps a little bit. You can kind of find activity easier with a waterfall, which is, which is really nice. It kind of helps on, especially on days where the band is really dead. Uh, propagation changes based off of the sun cycle and based off of a lot of different factors. Um, there have been even times last week where I was talking to someone in Oregon and we would be having an organ. I can hear him clear as day. You call that a five, nine report, a five being one through five. How well can I understand you? So he's a five. He was perfectly understandable. And one through nine is what we call an S meter rating and your radio actually will tell you um, what how strong their signal is coming to you. So one through nine, and then you can be a nine plus. You can be like, if you're blaring into me, uh, you're a nine plus. So he's a five by nine. That's that's a good rating. That's a perfect score when it comes to audibility. Him and I would be talking. We'd be having a five nine conversation and all of a sudden he would be gone. And the band had changed. Something had happened in the, you know, the, you know, the sunspots. I, something had happened in the ionosphere. I wasn't getting the skip I was getting before over to him. That's the fun of HF. And that's kind of the crazy part is he would be there and then all of a sudden he would be gone. 30 seconds later, he might be there again. Um, so the bands change all the time. And so your propagation and who you can talk to uh, really depends on a lot of different factors. But, but I've really enjoyed um, this radio. It's really got, if you're going to be getting into HF, it's got everything you need. And, and it sounds, it is expensive, um, but that is an, a kind of an intro price, honestly, to having a, a shack radio, a radio that you're going to have in the shack nowadays. In the shack. I like it. I like it. Um, that's kind of top of the line, right? In that, in that, in that group, or you can get it's, more. Expensive? It's top of the line for an intro radio. Okay. There you you can get a lot more expensive. You can spend seven to $10,000 on a radio. Um, and then you can start getting into amplifiers and things like that. So this, I would say, is is top of the line for the intro because there are more portable options and ones that put out less power and maybe ones that don't have that, you know, the nice screen with the scope. Maybe they're just the old school shows you what frequency and you're going to keep scrolling. And those ones might be cheaper in the five to six to seven hundred dollar range. Okay. Um, but uh, I would say I would say this is about an average price, but it is a top of the line intro radio. That's probably how I would describe it. Mike, you talked about your um, you talked about the antenna piece. We showed yeah pictures from the outside, but the whole goal is just to get this piece as high as possible. Is that right? That's totally true. Well, you know, as high as possible, there is a law of diminishing returns. You want these at a minimum to be a quarter wavelength off the ground, right? So if you are trying to talk on 40 meters, you want that thing at a minimum to be 10 meters off the ground. Um, that's really, you know, any lower than that, you're going to start getting some some noise on the band. Your your propagation is not going to be well. You're not going to be getting out as well. Um, so whatever band you're trying to talk on, you need to try and be a a quarter wave off the ground. So that gets a little bit harder, though, if you're going to be, you know, getting into 80 meters. Well, then you need to be 20 meters off the ground. And, and that, that really gets hard to do without a tower. So um, I don't operate on 80. My antenna doesn't do 80. I'm fine with that. Uh, I, w I would not be able to get it up high enough anyway. So I am mainly on a daily basis operating on the 40 meter and 20 meter band. And that antenna now is roughly 26, 27 feet in the air. So it's right on the border of being um, too short almost. I, I could still actually get it higher. And man, the difference of, because what I used to have before I put that 10-foot mast up is I had it right attached to that, um, 
that satellite antenna base. And then, so it was 10 feet lower, massive difference getting it up. Number one, it eliminated a lot of the QRM, which QRM is uh, your RFI, your radio frequency interference that you're going to get from things in the house. Now, this is a funny little aside, and I didn't put this in the show notes, but uh, the biggest rabbit hole I went down when I first got into this all, Jim, was, and, and this is the part I think, I was like, man, Jim would actually maybe kind of enjoy this. So you, you would, I would turn on my radio, and there would just be interference all over, huge electrical static. You could see it on the scope. When on that blue scope, you could just see lines everywhere. And the way you test to see, is this something in my home or is it something outside? Is this just, you know, the neighbors? Is it the atmosphere? Is you put your radio on a battery and you go and flip off the power to your house. Just have the breaker to turn off all the power. And uh, sure enough, a lot of it went away and it was, it was, it was pretty clear. And I'm like, well, great. So now I have a lot of RFI in my house. So now the hunt was on mm. to find what causes the RFI in my home. And this, I am still probably hunting for a few um, offenders here, but I found some of the big ones. And one of the ways you can do it is you can actually use a portable AM radio. So you can use just a regular AM radio, like, you know, the cheap ones, or even better if you have a shortwave radio. But these are just, you know, the little compact ones. You would sit on your desk and you'd listen to some AM radio. Uh, that's what you use. And you tuck in the antenna, you tune to a frequency that's not in use, and you literally just start walking around your house like a wild man, just kind of putting it up to things <laughs> and, and what's causing the RFI. And, and you, it really does start to drive you nuts. You can do a little more scientific approach, which is flip off all the breakers and then tar turning them on one by one. And when do you start to get a lot of noise on your radio? And that'll tell you at least hopefully you're down to a room or two. Hey, you um, made sure Hannah and the kids were gone, right? I mean, you're not, yeah, you, you're yes. not torturing them with the power. With going no on. power. It, well, you know, this is a family sacrifice, Jim. This is a, this is a family <laughs> hobby. Um, so we got to teach the kids young. Oh my God. I've done uh, some, I've done some crazy things to Sarah, but, but Mike, I think you're beating me now in this, it, I probably in this am. category. No, yeah. this wasn't a time where they were not here luckily. Um, but so, so you start to go around and you start to try and find what's, what's causing your RFI. And it's really cool. You'll start to hear like a really high screech on that AM radio when you're getting something that's putting it out. You guys would be really surprised what causes RFI. So there are certain LED bulbs that will cause RFI. So the first thing I found, and this one was hard to find because it was actually way closer than I thought it was right above me right here. And I have them turned on right now. I have the long, what do you call the long tube lights that usually... Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but anyway, Just flora, tube fluorescents, the, the right? tubes, yeah, the really yeah. long tubes, they the go in like tubes. the workshop yep. lights, right? Mm -hmm. So I have two Industrial. of those, but they're LEDs. Mm -hmm. So oh. those actually cause a lot of interference with my radio. The second thing I found was our baby monitors. Cause usually what's going to cause it is wall warts. So any sort of wall wart power plug is going to cause it. Um, and our baby monitor plugs caused a, I mean, just an insane amount of RFI, so much so that just turning those off uh, takes me from an, I had an S9 level of noise. So when you talk about how powerful a signal is, that's as strong as you can get. I turn the baby monitors off, it goes down to an S3. So it was that much being caused by just the, the power plug on a baby monitor. Wow. Um, that's what you're wow. trying. I mean, you're literally just on a hunt yeah. for tiny little things like that. And then Does the that mean final you disconnect those things when you're like... Okay, go ahead. So I have a solution for that. Yeah, yeah. So this is the fun. This is the fun part. So then the final piece, the final thing I had was there were two two of my security cameras. Uh, they're old. I repurposed them from my Cox Home Life, and the way that the power gets to the Ethernet cable uh, causes some RFI. So here's what I did. Obviously, we need the baby monitors on, 
and obviously I'm lazy. There's there's two there's two <laughs> constants here. I want to be able to sit right here and not have to go upstairs every time I want to play radio and get all this stuff. So you're seeing where this goes. I've seen I went where this and is going. Bought, I bought three more of the TP Link smart plugs and I went and put those on all of the devices that caused RFI. That's so and great. then I went into A Lady, into the app, and I grouped them and I called them RFI devices. So now when I want to go to play radio, I just say, hey, lady, turn off the RFI devices. And everything that causes RFI, I have a TP-Link smart plug on and they're grouped brilliant. and it turns it off. And all of a sudden my scope clears right up. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's, so, I was, that's such a great way to use home automation. I, I, I was super proud of it. I was like, yeah, this is this is great. You the are home. a home gadget geek, my friend. You yeah. you are a home gadget geek. So there's a combination of uh, some, some yeah. home automation and, and how you could use that uh, with your radio. But... Um, so, so that that's for home, and, and that's really what causes more fun. But really, Jim, for me, um, you know that I'm an outdoors person. Mm-hmm. And what HF Radio does is it opens up, not that you couldn't do this as a technician, uh, but it would be very difficult. So now with General being able to operate HF, there are two programs that I just think are the coolest thing ever with ham radio. And the first one is parks on the air. The second is summits on the air. Uh, and really whichever one you do depends on where you live in the country here in the Midwest. We don't have many summits. And when you think of a summit, like literally the summit of a mountain of a mountain, we don't have many of those around here. So, uh, around here parks on the air is, is the popular, uh, program. And what parks on the air is, is, you know, the history of this was really to get ham operators out into the world for multiple reasons. Number one, it helps you test your portability. Can you go out? Could you operate from a field in case of emergency? That's more of an archaic test now, right? Because, I mean, although I could pack this up, take it and use it in emergency, I'm going to be honest, and that's probably not the first thing I'm going to do. But now I have the ability if I wanted to. Uh, But number two, education-wise, you get out there, you have your antenna, and people get curious, and and they'll come up to you and ask you questions. So it raises kind of awareness for ham radio. But the structure of this is really cool. So um, I'm going to talk about parks on the air. Um, and then, you know, summit on the air is very similar, but uh, it's just with summits instead of parks. But the way this works is there is a whole system. And Jim, if you actually go to um, the map. Oh, yeah, this 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 works too. Um, go up to find a park. Is that what you went to? And near me. Yeah, this will be great. So while you're talking, so the way this works is there are parks all across the country that are either state parks or local parks. And, and, you know, everyone has them uh, around them locally. Well, the parks on the air system and on the screen that Jim's showing, it's all these yellow dots that are all over. So these are all parks that are loaded in the system and they have to be parks that are, they're in their system, but it, it should have most of them in your area, all the, the recognized state parks. Now it's not going to have your neighborhood park, uh, but it's going to have all your big parks. So these are all in the system and they all have an identifier to them. Like it starts with a K and it's like a four digit number. So what you do is there's people called activators and there's people called hunters. So activators is you pack up your radio, everything you need, and you head to the park. Now parks on the air is very likely running on battery. Like if there's an outlet at the park, go ahead and use it. Um, just at whatever you need to do. Uh, you can even be in your car. You just need to be in the park limits. So once you get into the park limits, there's really as However you want to make your contacts, you're going to make your contacts. So as an activator, I'm like this weekend, we're going to go try and activate Shram Park over at the the Platte River. So I will pack up. I will go to the park. I actually have my battery just came in and man, I forgot how heavy sealed lead acid batteries are, uh, but that came in. So I'll take all my gear. 
we will set up in the park. So I'll have to throw my antenna. So I actually have a, a bag with all my stuff in it. I have an N fed antenna and I will throw that up into a tree. I have a rope with a tree weight on it and I can actually sling that thing up into a tree. So I'll put the antenna up into the tree. I'll attach my radio and I will attempt to activate the park. Now what an activation entails is making 10 contacts while you're in that park. So that conversation would go, I'm going to call CQ, which CQ is a, I'm looking for, I'm looking for someone out there. CQ, CQ is his parks on the air. I'll say my call sign and I'll wait. And then usually your hunters are your people that are usually at their home and they are looking, trying to find people that are activating parks because you get points for both. You get points for activating and you get points for hunting. So there's hunters out there. I love hunting when I'm at home. I think it's so much fun because there's also through the POTA website, people can go and spot like, Hey guys on this frequency and he's in this location. And then you can, you can go out and, and find them on that frequency and, and try and make a contact with them. So I would put out my call sign. Someone else would say their call sign. I have to let them know what park I'm in, give them a signal report real quick. Are they a five nine? They would tell me the same thing. And there we go. So now they're in my log and I've logged who I spoke to and to get a minimum of 10 of those. Afterwards, you submit that log to uh, your, there's a person on POTA, depending on what region you're in. And they log it. So actually, Jim, too, if you go back to that website real quick, if you still have it open. Yeah, give, give me just a second. Yeah, so there is actually a up. full dashboard here um, where they show you all the different statistics on. Um, so, if, yeah, go go back to home. Yep. Oh, it actually took you to poda.us. Go to parksontheair.com. Uh, so this yeah. is actually the interface. This is what I was talking about where there's spots. So right now, those are all spots of people who are out there. Um, and so if you go to dashboard... And log in. Oh, I don't have a login. Uh, you shouldn't need a login to log in. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. so here is all the stats. And if you did have a login, you would you could see your own stats of how many hunter activations you have, how many activator points you have. I mean, so there are people out there that are doing this multiple times a day. A lot of retirees love to do this. So they'll go and find, you can only activate one park every 24 UTC hours. So it runs off the UTC clock. Um, but every 24 hours, you could go back to that same park. But a lot of these guys are doing multiple parks in a day. So there are call signs on there and they have, you know, this year alone. So top activations for the current year, uh, what is that? 405 for the top one. 257 unique parks. That person has been at 257 parks this year and activated them. And so that means he has gotten, he or she has gotten at least 10 contacts at each of those parks. Um, and so, so this really, you know, Jim, for me, obviously it's competitive, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. You get out of the house, you get to have a purpose for getting on the radio and when you are doing this, people have a reason to reach back out to you. So there's a game to it. Um, and so I've kind of gone all in, Jim, already on no. on, on mobile. So, <laughs> no. So I, I have, like, so th I didn't get a second radio. I thought about it, but I didn't. Uh, it's, it's the same radio. So I do just, but what I did was I got all the same power cords. I unplugged this thing. If you guys ever need a hard-sided foam, a uh, pick, pick foam, I think is what they call it. You know, the foam where it comes all together and you can pick out to make the exact yeah. shape of whatever yeah, you yeah. want. Yeah. Um, Harbor Freight. This thing is, I would, obviously it's not a Pelican, right? Yeah. Like we all know Pelican yeah. cases, but very similar, very Good watertight enough. and yeah. for 35 bucks. Whoa. Compared to like 200. Nice. So Harbor Freight, if you guys ever need these. Um, so this is for my radio. I have a backpack with my throw line to get my antenna into a tree. A do you have a local antenna. Harbor Freight or did you order it online? I ordered it online. Okay. I think, I think we do have a local one though. Mm-hmm. 
um, here. I think like 72nd and it moved. something. Oh, did it? I think it moved. Okay. I went and looked it up because, yeah, it used to be 72nd uh-huh. right by UNO. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Right All center. Right. Um, but yeah, those, so those are great little cases for anything, by the way. So if you need a hard side, kind of like a Pelican ripoff. Uh, 35 bucks, huh? 35 bucks for nice. this size. And this fits this entire How many radio. cigars could I fit in there? Oh, you could fit a lot. <laughs> they have smaller versions too. Yeah. Um, and they even have larger versions for people. Cause I, I kind of wish I would have gotten a larger cause then I could have fit my battery and, uh, the radio, but then I have just my backpack for, for everything else. But, uh, I, so I, I just disconnect it and go, what? Why are you taking the kids with you when you do yeah, that? We do. Yeah. It's, good. Yep. it's fun with the boys. Right. I mean, that's a, Oh yeah, fun thing to do with them. Pack them up and go do those things. Well, and and Hannah wouldn't. So we went and did this um, the other weekend. We actually went. Our local ham radio club had a meeting at a park on a Saturday morning, and people just kind of showed off what they were working on. And we tried to activate the park. And guys brought air cannons to get their antennas into the air. It was a lot of fun. Really? And oh yeah, it was. I mean, these guys are custom like PVC pipe, just air cannons, and they're launching this antenna. Like it was. It was really cool. Some video for that. I'd make some good home gadget geek video. Yeah, I think they have some pictures. I'm going to try and find some pictures of it. Um, and I, I plan on making some videos of these activations because it, it was like when what Hannah told me was she was, man, you didn't tell me that there was like a, a part of radio where we could go to a park every Saturday. She loves that. That's great. And so she's and she even brought up, she goes, you know, what if we tried to hit like, what if we tried to activate every park in Nebraska? Mm-hmm. I was like, that would be a ton of fun. Like having that as a goal, obviously it would take someone like us with not much time, a while to do that, but over a course of maybe three, four years, Something try and hit all the places in uh, Nebraska. I think it'd be a lot yeah. of fun. Something fun to do. That's pretty great. Yeah. It's great when you can, it is, I think it's great when you can get the whole family, including your wife or, or, or a partner, um, interested in this and to do the thing together. I think that's a, a that's a super great, uh, super great, great way to go about it. Mike, um, okay. We're, we're home gadget geeks and listen, yeah. you don't have to justify it because like, you, you used, you know, you used um, uh, remote plugs. You're talking about like, you know, how to get things up in the air. We talked about drones, some of those other things, right? I, I think our geek cred is covered on this yep. point. But can this thing, I mean, there is, we do have computers now and we do have the internet. So is there a way to interface this in, I mean, can I, can I use this with my computer? Can, is there a way to do some things on the internet with it? How does that work? Um. So Yes, and right. So the internet is is very interesting when it comes to ham radio. There are the digital modes that utilize the internet. There's a lot more of those on UHF, VHF, and actually a lot easier to use with your technician license. Um, you know, there's a lot of different technologies like Echolink and D-Star and System Fusion, and those connect repeaters via the internet as a backbone. Right. So there are repeaters here in Omaha where I and, you know, Ron's out in our chat room and he's been wanting me to get on an Echo Link repeater because he's up in Canada and we could actually talk on our handy talkies in our house and it would be like we're having a phone conversation. Those are linked by the internet as the backbone. So there's digital in terms of it uses the internet as the backbone. For HF, a majority of digital and HF, it uses the computer to. I think of it as like modulating the sound to the radio to kind of give the radio what sound to send, but you're not using the internet, right? So um, I'm going to show you guys a digital mode right now. It's called FT8. And FT8, you know, there's there's no, I could unplug the internet from this computer and it would still work fine. The computer is really just, it's listening and it can comprehend, wee, 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 it's kind of thing, it sounds like a modem. When you, if you were to turn the volume up on your radio, it kind of sounds like a modem. It can interpret what that means, 
but I can't. So the digital modes here are interesting because number one, the benefits of digital is they can be heard with the slightest volume. So when I'm doing digital, I can be heard by France and Germany, and um, there's a website you can actually see where you're being heard from with your digital modes, uh, whereas, because it doesn't need to be very loud for that computer to pick up the, the sound. Whereas if I was doing voice, no way. No way I'm reaching that far. Um, and especially for someone to be able to hear me. So digital goes a lot further uh, with the same level of power, right? We're still running 100 watts here, right? This rated is 100 watts. So 100 watts on single sideband, which is voice, um, not going to be heard as well as on an FT8 signal that goes pretty far. But so there are a lot, you know, I am just now getting into different digital ways to interact with HF. There's, you know... Um, there's ways to send email via HF, right? Uh, signal there. So there are ways that use the internet, but but the FT8 is probably a fun one because I, although it's fun to have the connection to the internet, I, I don't know, Jim, like to me, that kind of defeats the purpose, right? Because I could jump into a Discord and talk with someone across the world if I want to, if I'm going to utilize the internet. Yeah. Um, yeah for me, I kind of want to, I want to be able to do it from radio to radio without, you know, a repeater is one thing, but without anything in the middle. Sure. So, let me pull up FT8 for you guys real quick. And this is, I will share my screen and show you guys the computer interface. Okay. So here we are on FT8. And let me just switch over. We're going 40 meters tonight. So what this is, is this is an application running on my computer. And I'm going to kind of explain how this is set up. So there is a USB cable running from my computer to my radio. The great part about the ICOM 7300 is that you can do everything through that one USB cable. It can control the radio as in, hey, switch to this frequency, switch to this mode, do this, do that. It can tell the radio through cat control what to do but it can also send and receive audio signals. So on some other radios, you might need an actual audio card, like a USB audio card that kind of, and then you would run to like a headphone cable and a microphone cable into that. But with these 7300, it's just one cable, which makes things really nice. But what we've done here is we're using a program called WSJT. And this application allows us to operate with multiple different modes of, of digital HF modes, but FT8 is the one we're doing. So right now, what we've done is we've told the radio via this program to go in tune to 7.074 megahertz. And that is, there's a designated frequency for different digital protocols. So for FT8 on 40 meters, that's the frequency people are going to turn, turn to for FT8. So you you got to think if they didn't have that, you would have to scroll all through the band to try and find just one FT8 signal. So this puts it into a centralized location. And so what it's doing right now is the way FT8 works is there's a listening period and a sending period. So every time you hear, see this blue progression bar, so we're in, I think it's 15 seconds. I believe it's 15 seconds. I, I, I don't know that for fact though, but I think it's 15 second periods. So we're listening, we're listening, we're listening. And you see that decode pop up. So it's hearing signals, hearing signals. And then over on the left, here's what it's spitting out. And what it's spitting out, it might be hard for you guys to see, but literally what it's telling me is how strong of a signal did I just hear? 
what frequency did I hear it on? Because although it's 17 or 7.04, there's little tiny segments of that frequency that it's using. So what exact frequency is it using? And then what is the message that was sent? So you could technically send anything with FT8. You could type in any message you want if you really wanted to. The way the program works and the way the whole system is set up is there is a certain cadence to the conversation. And the cadence goes... I'm calling CQ, which is CQ is saying, hey, I'm looking for people to talk to. Someone, someone reach out to me. I'm seeking you um, is the way people think about it. I'm seeking you. And then when someone hears back, they say, yep, I heard you. And hey, you're, uh, you were this strong to me. And then if the person who called CQ usually responds to the first person who responded to them, they'll give them back their signal report. We'll say, okay, cool. Thank you. 73. Goodbye. And that's it. It's a very quick back and forth conversation. So this is not a chat room. This is not, hey, how's it going? How are you? This is literally just contact, quick and easy contacts. There are definitely protocols to use like RIDI and things like that, where you can have more of a text style conversation. Um, this is really fun because you start to see how far your radio can go. So let me just, as an example, let's pick one of these guys calling CQ. So let's wait for this receive to go through. Okay, so guidance in green are, are CQs. So we're double clicking. So right now my radio is transmitting. So you heard it, you might, if you heard it click, it was actually tuning. I, I forgot to hit the tune button before. So it was using the internal tuner to tune. So what we just said here was, hey, call sign of this guy, KF4UDL. It's W0EGR, which is me. And this is my grid square. This is where I'm located. And we'll see if he picks us. We'll see if number one, he can hear us. And then number two, if he responds. He did. So here's him. So he said W0EGR. This is him, kf for UDL, you're a negative 12 dB to me. And so now I'm responding. Now my, my radio is transmitting. And this is all automatic. I didn't have to click this. See, it's flowing through these messages down on the right side based off what he's saying. So he gave me a, a signal report of 5, negative 5 dB. And so he should come back here and say RRR. Yep, he actually combines it. So he does RR73. 73 means have a great day, good, good talking to you. And then you guys can't see because I'm not sharing, but my software just came up here to log this conversation in my logging software. And that's it. That was the entire conversation. Um, so right now my radio is transmitting 73. So you see I said KF4 UDL, it's W3GR 73. And there we go. That is, that is the end of the conversation. So what we saw there was a guy was out there calling CQ. And by the way, he was 845 miles away from me. So it says right down here, it looks up his call sign. It says how far away he is. Um, the other thing you can do now for fun, if you want to, is you could open up your qrz.com, qrz, and you could type in his call sign, and we could read a little about him, his bio. Who is he? He might have some pictures up there for his profile, um, what he's into, things like that. But that is literally so the quick back and forth. So let's do the opposite real quick. I'm going to call CQ, and my computer's going to wait because we're right now in the receiving portion of our time slot. So as soon as this bar gets done... My, and now my radio is transmitting. So it's putting out 100 watts through my radio. So all this is happening. My computer is generating what to send. Uh, it's doing the signal. It's sending that to my radio. My radio is pushing out the coax to the antenna in my backyard, pushing out 100 watts. And uh, it, with the message it's sending digitally is, is CQ. So CQ, my call sign, Whiskey Zero, Echo Golf Romeo, with my grid square. And we'll see if anyone comes back. No wonder the lawn is dead. It's pushing 100 right. watts. <laughs> Bouncing off the lawn. <laughs> so someone did. So someone sent back. So we're talking to um, Victor Alpha 3. 
Foxtrot, Foxtrot, and he is also 894 miles. I must have really good skip to someplace 894 miles away. Real quick, I'm going to look up this call sign while I'm talking to you guys and see where this guy's at just for fun. So again, we are located in Omaha, Nebraska, and this guy is... What site are you using to look it up? QRZ.com. It's called Q QRZ. That's what people in the ham radio community refer it to. Some a three a three letter URL. That's pretty great. Like somebody yeah. grabbed that thing early. So this guy's actually in Canada. This is uh, Igor. He lives in Brampton, Ontario, and uh, that's who we're talking to right now. So actually, we just got through the whole conversation in that time that we were talking. So what happened was, you know, we called CQ. He came back to me, and he gave his grid square. Um, I was a really strong signal to him. I was only a negative one dB, um, and he was actually really strong to me. He was zero dB, um, and and that was the whole conversation right there. Aron says that's somewhere in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I'm kind of thinking uh, we need to. Uh, the November virtual meetup needs to be ham. I, that's, I think that'd be like, a lot of fun. Like, I think that would probably be a good, uh, it'd be fun to get some folks together. Maybe we do, you know, morning and an afternoon meetup and get some folks involved. Kind of, you know, get a group together, talk about it, do some things, see if you can reach each other. I mean, that'd be kind of fun. I think it'd be, and then for folks who are interested in, and maybe getting into ham, you know, I kind of, I, I think I said this to you the last time you were in, uh, I kind of thought that was dead, like CB radio, <laughs> but, uh, apparently not, uh, no Douglas, no. Douglas had jumped in earlier and said, I'm a volunteer first responder firefighter during emergency ham operators are critically getting information out to the public. They're part of the emergency center during disasters. And so I think we've, we've talked about that before, but again, yeah. I, this is, I just, until you got into this, I just kind of thought. Well, to be honest, I think the, you know, I, I'll, we have to give a lot of credit to, there are a few uh, YouTubers, some big YouTubers, um, well, big in terms of they got big because of ham radio, and they are doing such a good job getting people like me into ham radio, right? Because there's a whole generation who lives on YouTube, and it's really, if it weren't for their videos, and, and they're always talking about new antennas, and, you know, these are these are younger guys, too. Right, a lot of them are, are are my age. There's a few of them that are older, um, and and that's been huge mm -hmm. because there's a lot of education. It's the way I learn. I learn through YouTube, and w since there's now a community there, there wasn't a really a ham radio community. I mean, there might have been your niche guy, um, probably a really small YouTuber, but there are now probably ten to twelve to fifteen of just guys who are doing cranking out a bunch of really good ham radio content. And I think that's what's you know driving a lot of people into this because I'm a part of their Discord and their Facebook groups. And I mean, there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of people and so many comments of, hey, just got my call signed today and a lot of new people. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what caused the resurgence in this. I will say, I mean, I would love to see the numbers on how many new hams each year, how many new call signs are, are uh, issued and see if that number has gone up. I feel like it probably has. I don't know. Yeah. Though. Maybe no, that's, that's just good. my feeling because I'm into it now. You know, it's because I have the red car. Everyone has a red car. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a lot of fun. No, it's interesting. Again, I I thought those days were gone, but but certainly not. And I I think they go in cycles. 
you know, it kind of, it, it kind of goes in ways. It's like social media networks. Now there's yeah. enough operators. I mean, um, you know, that was, again, that was a kind of a, a, a generational thing that I thought would die with kind of my, actually, it's actually really popular with the generation ahead of me. So people now who are in their late sixties, early seventies, that would have been really, really popular during their adult life. Let's say in the eighties, maybe seventies right. and eighties. And now, you know, it's getting young people back into it. And just the fact that you, to take this test and that they still have it available <laughs> and that it's done digitally. I mean, that, that people are still caring uh, about it uh, would be, would be super cool. Ron is trying to do everything he can to get me into this. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't, no, I know how much fun it is. It wasn't long ago. Um, I, I'm, I was quoted as saying, I need a raspberry pie. Like I need a hole in my head. There was, when those first came out, everybody's like, you need to get into this. And I'm like, I have enough things I'm into yeah. uh, at this point, but, but no, no, super good for you. I'm going to like a lot of things, Mike, I'm going to live vicariously through you. That's, I like why it. I, that's why I have you on here. So we'll, we'll get together and, and, uh, and, and do some things around him. I'm sure it'll come back as a subject here on Home Gadget Geeks for a while until oh, yeah. next week when Mike sells all his gear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. Mike, anything else we didn't cover? The, the only thing I want to mention, and this is actually uh, ham radio, but not ham radio too. It can be used in multiple areas. I discovered the power of Anderson power pole connectors. And I don't know if mm. any of you guys have ever used Anderson power pole connectors, but this is generally what they look like. I'll pull one out here and I have mm. put them on literally everything. And I'm probably everything in my home is probably going to get one of these Anderson power poles. So here's why they're awesome. So there's a way of crimping, but you would put this little plastic end onto any sort of power lead. Or, or wire for that matter. If you're connecting wire and you need to plug it into another wire for any reason, you could put, but there's a, there's a white or a red one, sorry, and a black one. So you could have your positive and your neutral wire and uh, you can put them together. So I have these on all my radios, on all my um, batteries, but here's why they're awesome is because it doesn't matter that it's the same connector. This could be on either end. They just uh, snap together. And these ones don't have wires in them, so I'm not going to do that. I just realized that. But they just they just snap together. So then these two connect. And they're universal. So like any end can connect to any other end. And then you have the same connector on everything you need. You know, when you think of usually you might be putting some, uh, let's see here. You might be putting some other sort of terminal on there. You might be putting a ring terminal. You might be putting one of these little, these little, I don't know what those are called, little plates I call them. Yeah, a little pen head. You might have all, you might have rings and and uh, all sorts of loops, things. hooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank right, you, right, thank you. Right, well, my you brain go. wasn't thinking of all the different names. I used but, to be uh, an electrician. So, did no. you really? No, not really. I know oh, in the okay. army I was, but it's okay. like that was a thousand years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. but uh, but these Anderson power poles, they I don't know why Ham Radio adopted them. Uh, they've become pretty standard, so much so that on the front of my power supply, I actually have Anderson power pole connectors built into the power supply. Hmm. So Ham Radio kind of adopted them. Um, but man, they are just the most handy thing ever. So now, instead of unscrewing um, a ring terminal when I can connect from my power supply to take this thing mobile, everything, even this battery, I retrofitted this battery. Now it has, it just has two wires with Anderson power poles on it. So I can just awesome. unplug from the power awesome. supply, plug into here. So yeah, if you guys... um Anderson, is that the name? Anderson. Anderson? I think okay. Anderson is probably like the proper who invented them. Okay. Uh, when I ordered these, obviously, I think these must be knockoffs, but they're just from Amazon. Um, this is made by Lustech, so they just call it a connector kit. They don't really have 
a name on them. It's but like if you search Anderson Power Pole, yeah. uh, you'll you'll find them. They are super easy to put on. There's one internal metal piece that you clamp down. You do need the Power Pole ratchet, the little wrench to, to tighten them down, uh, the crimper. But uh, once you have the crimper and these, man... I'm, I'm just, I've literally been trying to, what else can I power pull? This, this is the best thing ever. I'm probably going to retrofit a little light for when I'm mobile. Stripping uh, the wires Anderson. behind your TV and yeah. the Xbox. And yeah. Anderson, Anderson. Anderson, everything. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> Did you need to cut that? No, I just wanted the yeah. connector in there. <laughs> why doesn't the Xbox work? Well, HDMI over power pole didn't work as I expected it to. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did Ethernet, so we also have no internet. I'm so, sorry, that's, that's this good. hobby got really sorry. out of hand. I know, <laughs> I got a little crazy. I got a little crazy. No, that's super cool. Yeah, super. Cool. No, that's the only good thing we didn't talk. There's a lot, Jim. We could. I mean, this this show oh, could yeah. probably be we'll, three to four hours. So we'll save. We'll some. separate this we'll out. Maybe some. once or twice a year, have a conversation yeah. on ham radio and and kind of I can fill you guys in on what I'm I'm working on at the time. There's a lot of other digital modes I want to try out, uh, but Poda is going to be my thing. Like I think that is that's really okay. what I want to yeah. do. Yeah, so, take some pictures. There. There's lots of things you can do here. Uh, you know, one of the things I've loved about hosting this show for 10 years is just the variety we get. Like the, the ability to have a ham conversation. You know, last week we talked about lawn geeks. This week, ham geeks, right? right. I mean, it, it and, and for me, I mean, for some people that seems a little fragmented. But for me, it's just the breadth of, of knowing these things. I mean, getting an hour and some change of a deep dive into ham radio. Now I kind of can have a fairly intelligent conversation with somebody about ham, right? Yeah, and just exactly. at least know of it or be aware of it or what's going on, right? And so I just love, I love hosting the variety that we get to have. So if you're, you've been a long time listener of Home Gadget Geeks, thank you for being around for the last 10 years and, and putting up with these shenanigans. But uh, I, I do feel like it's just, it is, Mike, we kind of have a, niche that's not a niche like there's not a lot of variety show tech variety it's mostly tech niche right they right. get yeah they, they go super deep on one topic and and we have the ability to kind of do whatever we want which is i think which is super cool for the for the uh, 10 or so who's come to join us live and for the thousand or so that listen on a regular on a weekly basis thank you for listening and thanks for kind of putting up with these shenanigans I should say, you know, if you're interested in a topic, and I get this from time to time, and by the way, I can't fulfill every topic that you want. Um, here, let me get back on the right side. There we go. Uh, we, um, we'd love to hear from you. So send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. If you've got a topic in our Discord group, those come up from time to time. There's been some, there was some discussion in the network, in the uh, Discord group about some networking, like, hey, let's do a show on networking. And then we had some conversations and Justin got really deep very, very fast. And I think it was bust out was like, well, that's a little more than I was thinking. I think I could have those names wrong, but, um, but it's great. Well, we, you know, we get those, we get those kinds of opportunities. In fact, we've lined up, um, I began, I've begun to line up some folks coming back. Kyle's coming back to talk a little bit about some networking and camera gear that he's learned through the pandemic. Chris Nessie's going to come back uh, and talk a little bit now that we know. Remember, he was on kind yeah. of early in the pandemic, and they'll have some kind of an update. Get Nathaniel back as well. What did the school district do, and what are they doing, and some of his stuff. We'll dive in a little bit deeper on some of the tech that he's doing. Aaron Lawrence will be back in, in November to talk about things. And, of course, the big show, the December 3rd Home Gadget Geeks 10-year anniversary show. You're not going to want to miss that. I would, I'd love to get as many people live as I could. If you made it this far in the show, you're pretty engaged. 
If you never made it on Thursday night, come join us December 3rd live. Christian's coming back. That's already not in. I'm trying to get Zadler. I need to get Andrew Morris. In fact, Andrew, if you're listening to this, contact me. I'll, I'll try to remember to get you. And uh, and we have a 10th anniversary show, so we're super excited about that. Mike, anything else before I kind of wrap this? No, I appreciate all the new guys in the chat, too. I know there's a few of you uh, ham radio people in the chat. That was fun. I know we had, uh, who was it, November 8, uh, Oscar Quebec Papas out there from Akron. And uh, dumbing it down with Dave, I think maybe also a ham radio person. I don't know. So appreciate all the new people in the chat, too. Let's stop by. I hope, uh, hope it was a decent conversation. If you guys have any questions, though, I will say, I know that ham radio can be like, how do I get started? Where do I take my test? Things like that. Feel free to hit me up. Easiest place on that is probably Twitter. Just send me a Twitter DM. My uh, Twitter is at Weger Tech, W-I-E-G-E-R um, Tech, or my website is my call sign. So WhiskeyZeroEchoGolfRomeo.com. You can actually go to that website. My ham radio email is there. I plan on kind of posting some more content out there, so you can go there. And any ham hey, radio questions, hit me up. Update the show notes with all that stuff, too, so yeah, I can I I'll just bring it over and, and okay. bring it in. So if you're joining us for the first time, you're coming in on ham. We don't do this every week. Uh, but if, if you like it, I'm, I'm chances are it's going to come back. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say a couple of reminders before we go. I want to thank everyone who, who joins us on Patreon each and every week. Kind of mentioned in the beginning of the show, we're going to do a Patreon meetup. So for all the folks who are currently supporting, and if you get in before the 24th, so September 24th, you don't even have to, if you join Patreon now, they won't even bill you till the end of the month. So if you want to jump in before the 24th, I'll get you in on that little, little meetup that we're going to do kind of talk a little bit about like, I want to get some opinions on what you guys think about meetups for the future. Of course, we're going to do them virtual for now. Eventually we'll get back in person, but you guys have been dogging me for so long to do a meetup. This is the very beginning of it. And so uh, September 24th, uh, 2020, just get in before that. And you can join us on that. It'll be six 30 to seven 30 central before the show. And just an hour to kind of get together and goof around and, and kind of have some conversations. I want to listen to your opinion. Theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon, if you want to get in on that. And I just really have one plan. I think it's five bucks. So if you want to jump in and support the show, I always appreciate that. That helps out as well. I mentioned Discord. If you want to jump in there, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. We'll get you in that group. And uh, and we get a few folks who still join us over there and a lot of conversation. On the Facebook page, theaverageguy.tv slash Facebook. That will get you there. If you want to contact me at uh, it's Jim at the average guy dot TV. And uh, we'd love to have your show, show suggestions on Twitter at Jay Collison uh, at Uyghur tech for Mike. If you want to follow him over there, of course, the average guy dot TV, both web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove partners, get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people, you know, you need to trust. And actually um, uh, the, the team Christian and the team over there at Maple Grove partners. And we just did a cyber frontiers with Christian on Monday. It's, it hasn't been produced yet, but for, for you listening on the podcast, it's probably out by now because I'm going to get it out this weekend. Um, Christian uh, spends a little bit of time. We're going to talk about his new infrastructure there at Maple Grove Partners, Mike. Pretty cool. Like, the, you know what I need to do? You, me, and and we'll interview Christian talking on Cyber Frontiers, talking about his infrastructure because oh, it's man. it's super cool now. Yeah, he's got some great stuff. Plans start at ten bucks. It's really if you're a podcaster or you just want a website, it's really the most affordable plans. And knowing Christian, it's like Fort Knox. Like, good luck getting in there. Oh right? yeah, <laughs> no, it's super great. Uh, it's it's just super great. So I'm gonna get a chance to see him here here in a couple of weeks, and we're excited about that as well. Um, so MapleGrovePartners.com, and uh, he's been a big sponsor and supporter of the show for the last ten years. So he'll be on the ten year anniversary show as well. And then one more thing, TheAverageGuy.tv/slash HelloFresh. If you want to just just one word, HelloFresh. 
if you want to jump in there. Mike, I was going to show something really quick since we're at the end of the show anyways. Let me let me get the uh, – let me let, let me for just a second, let me make you hungry because, like – I'm, I don't I'm, need that right now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, like, this is this week for us. It's just Sarah and I. And you, they've got oh, wow. four people meals, and they got two people meals, and you can get two or four or three. You got some variety. This is this week. So balsamic fig chicken, which is tomorrow night. It's sitting in the fridge waiting for me to cook this thing, right? That walnut-crusted chicken looks amazing. Oh, yeah. oh we Did had that, that one yet? We had that last night. Okay. They, they actually sent us the pans. In this case, for both the broccoli and the chicken, they sent little little pans, little tinfoil pans. Oh. So I didn't even have to. I literally didn't have to get any pans out to get this done. So that that was the the walnut crusted chicken was actually. They say it's a twenty minute meal. It was actually a twenty minute meal. In fact, it was boring. Like I'm used to chopping and cutting and getting the getting the food ready and such. But this walnut crusted chicken was was just. It was super easy. In fact, we added our own toast. We wanted they they sent one you know thing of toast. We wanted two, so we made our own, which is super great. You can. You can add to it. You can do different things with it. Um, with this, with the Sicilian penne, we actually I went by um, uh, uh, Family Fair and picked up some fish, and so we got some salmon and and baked salmon with it. So it's a vegetarian meal. We added our own meat to it. So you can there's tons of things you can do custom with it. It has just been pretty great. And then of course, if you want to see what's coming up. You can just, from the website, you can see the meals that are coming up, I think, next week. This bulgogi that we've been doing has been dynamite. We love their, their they, we have a spicy maple chicken coming and some buffalo chicken tacos. Like, mm. dude, <laughs> dude, let me just say it has been, and, and for me, it has just been, I mean, during this time and just part of the life I'm in, it's just been so great to have those ready. And have a couple of meals and not be like, oh, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? Right. Yeah. So, uh, the average guy.tv slash HelloFresh, you get 40 bucks off your first, just try it one for, for one month and then cancel if you don't like it, but whatever. I, you know, I've been doing it for two years now and it, they just, they are just life changing to me. And so we're going to be talking about them through the month of September a little bit more. And, uh, if you want to join again, the average guy.tv slash HelloFresh, I need to go out and get a snack. I was, I was like, I don't have that gym. And the only thing open right now is Taco Bell. So I <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. No, we that's we definitely are definitely not as good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good thinking about it though. Taco Bell is one of those where you're like, man, that's gonna be so good, and then you have it, and you're like, that was so bad. <laughs> what was I thinking? What was I thinking? We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv/live. I mentioned a whole bunch of things that are coming up. You're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna stay close between now and the end of the year. We've got a ton of great stuff coming up. Uh, I'm excited for it. we got some meetups coming up, the September 24th meetup. That'll be for Patreon subscribers. We'll do an open public meetup on October 24th. That's coming up kind of around grilling, but you grilling and smoking, but you don't have to do that. It's just going to be a day a couple times for you guys to check in. Tons of fun. Stay close. I'll have some details coming up here next week uh, for those. For those who are listening live, stay around for a little bit of the post show. With that, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye.